Hello, and welcome to our first interview. Our guest this episode was voted J.W. Nixon High School Senior Class President for the class of 1992 and voted most likely to succeed. I'm talking about Alma Lozano. And even though she's an attorney for the city of San Antonio, she is still Laredo proud. Beans. Let me see. Cool. You're looking good. I see the rock right there. I was actually about to open my yearbook for, for this. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. I know, I know all these faces. I don't remember the names, but oh man, those were the days where we had poofy hair or the big copete. <laughs> Remember that? Everybody teased their hair. And lots of hairspray. Mm-hmm. Aw. Anywho. Yeah. Okay. Let me be serious now. Okay. All right. Okay. Are you serious, Alma, now? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Not big copete, Alma. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I, get, I just wear my hair back these days. Okay. Let's see. Let's get serious now. All right. Let's get serious. Alma, thank you so much for coming on our inaugural podcast episode for the J.W. Nixon class of 1992. It's been 30 years since we were seniors in high school. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm still young. (laughs) (laughs) We all are. Graduated when you were three, right? That's right. In the womb. In the womb. So um, I am an attorney. I work for the city of San Antonio, have a daughter and have been uh, married for over 20 years, met my husband in college. And that's who I am. That's me. As I said, I can see you and you haven't changed a bit. So I guess neither have I. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Let's go back 30 years, maybe a little more. What were you like as a teenager? I was very dorky and I still am. (laughs) I was just dorky nerd. Not a bad thing. (laughs) A successful dorky nerd. What do you think your classmates thought of you back then? Did they also think you were a dorky nerd? Did they think you were ambitious? Did they find you intimidating that Alma, she's so smart? No, not even. I'm sure they thought I was dorky too. They probably thought I was also friendly. Yeah. I would say they, I was a big dork and they knew it and I knew it and, (laughs) and I was friendly. Who did you hang out with? Who was your ganga back in high school? I had friends from all different I guess, groups, societies, you name it. I was looking back at my yearbook to refresh my recollection. So I primarily hung out with with Sylvia Flores and Araceli Aviles, who were in the COSA, or not COSA, HOSA, I am not sure. Um, They were in some business professionals, and I was involved with the business professionals organization. I had friends that were in the honors program. I had friends that were from orchestra and from band, let me think, debate. And then I also, and I also happened to go to a lot of different 
elementary schools. And so I had friends from like Buenos Aires and from Ryan and from JC Martin. So I had a good eclectic mix of friends. Where did you like to hang out or where did you and your friends hang out or what did you do when you weren't in school? So when I was not in school, we used to go to the lake, uh, Lake Casablanca. Um, International Casablanca. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we would just call it the lake. I don't know. Nothing. Um, we'd go to the lake. I think it was before it was a state park or something. And so we'd go to the Tecolotes games. Uh, let's see. That was that was pretty much it. Oh, we went across to Vivants and Ferencis. Those were little clubs across the across the border. Did you skip class at any time, or did you no, do anything? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, no. Well, maybe senior year. But no, not really. I was a nerd. I love school. I still love learning. If I could be a permanent student, I'd want to be a permanent student. That's how I approach my life. Enjoy learning. So you are our senior class president. What other organizations or clubs were you in? So I want to say this. I am really grateful to those who supported me to become class president my senior year. Because before that, I was really not necessarily, I was just, I was busy with work at school and I was involved in the Spanish club, the honor society, debate, orchestra, you name it. I was really not really self-confident and it was friends in my Spanish club that suggested to me that I should run for class president. And I doubted it because I was like, um, not super popular, but I went for it and I'm glad I did because I had the support I needed to be able to become class president. And um, it gave me a lot of confidence um, in school and just overall the confidence that people, you know, respect you enough to support you. That's kind of, that was nice, you know, so I'm grateful for that. So yeah, too many organizations, but at the end of the day, I think it played a factor in why I had uh, support from all kinds of people to be able to become class president. And when you are, you know, busy executing your duties as class president, did you have a job outside of school? I worked at HEB. Yay, HEB. I worked at McDonald's first. And then I worked at HEB Mercado Grande and a bunch of us worked there and it was fun. We had a good time. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. So what was a typical day like for you back then? Go to school, go to work and repeat. Just the same thing. Just school, work, school, work, school, work. Occasionally, like in my senior year, finally, I was like, okay, well, now I have responsibility to be in charge of this stuff. So finally, I went to football games because I didn't go to football games before that. Finally, I ended up, you know, participating in much more of the school activities due to the responsibility of having with senior class. Did it feel forced at first or did you just have no, fun? I had fun. I enjoyed it. I, I grew up raising livestock and chickens and turkeys and 
and you name it in 4-H, we learn some leadership skills. And so becoming a leader with a senior class was like business, just like get it done. So I didn't struggle. Like I said, I felt it gave me confidence to, to follow through with the goals that I had set out. I had set out, I was, I'm still idealistic. I'll never stop being that. <laughs> Everyone counts was, I'm looking at my, 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 I, I went back this weekend to look at some of my yearbook and stuff and my little election. I had, I had a theme, you name it. And it was everyone counts. And I felt strongly about that, that in every project we did, that everybody would have a voice, that everybody would count. We had parliamentary procedures. We just wanted to be, I wanted it, the club to be as inclusive as possible so that we would have greater participation. So we would have greater success. That's really impressive. I had, I forgotten that there was a theme or a slogan and, <laughs> you know, you think about high school, it's like, what? I mean, I guess students now are more savvy, but, you know, 30 years ago, it's like, I know Alma, I vote for her. <laughs> it was just, everything was on black and white paper written out, you know, even the buttons I made, it was silly, but yeah. Whatever. It worked. <laughs> Do you have any memories from high school or senior year that you kind of think about and, and it makes you groan or kind of sad or something like that? No, I do not have memories that I would consider to be regretful. No, I don't. Is there anything you wish you had done in high school? Hmm. Hmm. No, not really. I mean, I'm pretty grateful for the opportunities that my community gave me and and um, no, not really. Okay, so now aside from you and me, who were the <laughs> coolest kids our senior year? That's right. You were, let me see from what I remember. Honest, oh, Ronnie Rodriguez. I remember thinking she was super cool. Honestly, it's, it's gone way back. <laughs> That's who I remember. Oh, you know who? Jessica. I, uh, Jessica Palacios. I was impressed with her. Uh, Maricela Rangel. I was impressed with her. I don't know who was cool, to be honest. I was too much, too dorky to be invested in, in all that. I really was. I, I talked to Jessica and I know that Maricela has has a successful career and Jessica's really successful too. So it's interesting that you would pick these two strong, successful women as cool. And I think that's pretty cool too. I'm going to tell you a story that Jessica probably doesn't remember. And I think it's important to say. So why I think she's cool is because I remember once during our lunch hour, just walking and somebody came and was assaulted her pretty much was really rude and assaulted her and she conducted herself with such professionalism even at that young age she didn't respond in kind she was physically and verbally assaulted and she just walked herself straight to the office and knew exactly what to do like most teenagers would kind of like respond in kind and and she exercised such composure that I felt that wow you know, she really has class. So that's why I think, I mean, I don't, I don't think she knows that I observed this, but I, it always left an impression on me of her character. 
And then with Maricela Rangel, I always saw her studying. I always saw her focus and I just always believed and she ended up becoming our valedictorian. I, I, I believed her focus was laser sharp and that's why she successfully became our valedictorian. So yeah, that's, that's, that's why I, I look up to them as being persons who like I admired at the time, you know. And what about teachers? Did you have any favorite teachers? No, I didn't. I'll be honest. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. I did not. I mean, no, I, I did approach school as business. I mean, I guess my Spanish teachers, my language teachers, my I guess my my favorite teachers were the teachers who taught my favorite subject matters, which were language arts, whether Spanish or English or science. I love science. So those were those were my favorite teachers, if any, but not one specifically like inspiring. Like, yeah, yeah. No, honestly, I thought they were as invested in my success as any other person in our community was. So, (laughs) um, yeah. So maybe my, maybe my middle school teachers, maybe my middle school reading teachers were probably most impressive to me. I don't recall their names. I just know they were my seventh and eighth grade teachers that helped me develop a love of literature. Did you take any classes that you thought were really hard? No. <laughs> uh, not really. Maybe. This high school. <laughs> yeah, it was... We just had honors. We didn't have AP courses. We didn't have dual, any of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. like, so not in particular, not any one class. What was your favorite music? I liked it all. I liked all music. Yeah, the early 90s and mid 90s, I think, put out a lot of good music. They did. I looked back, I was looking and I was like, I had an eclectic taste for music. I mean, back then, this pop was was big, Whitney Houston and pop, R&B, Voice to Men, TLC, Salt and Pepper, Color Me Bad, then Rock, Oh Bon Jovi, Queen. Then there was Alternative with um, Kurt Cobain and Nirvana. Country was getting hot too. Tejano. You name it. We loved, I mean, I think I, I I wasn't alone, but I think we had a lot of good music then. We talked earlier and I know you're big into reading. So what books or movies or what kind of entertainment were you in back then? You know, I was thinking about this and back then there was a collective conscious. We would all, I mean, I don't know if you did, but we used to listen to the top nine at nine, I think. And we would literally record. I mean, I did. (laughs) I did too. (laughs) So I was thinking, okay, well, what music did I have? I have a bunch of cassettes of songs (laughs) I liked from different radio stations. And I would make my own mix of of music. That was my mixed media, right? I've never been big into watching TV. I've never been big into that. And I went to the movies occasionally. I think my favorite program on TV was Cheers. And yeah. And as far as books were concerned, I 
probably just read whatever was assigned to me. I loved reading Shakespeare then. I still do. And so, yeah. Now we get to the specific Laredo questions. Are there any words or phrases that Laredoans use that you still use? I would say Laredo proud. We used to say, but that was probably not Laredo, not like kidding, not, you know, like, uh, remember that? <laughs> yeah, not, yes, no, yes. And I had forgotten about Laredo proud, but now, you know, the the signage and and all bumper stickers and stuff kind of, I have, I'm having flashbacks with that. The commercials. And so I still feel Laredo proud. Yeah, I still feel Laredo proud. Um, so yeah, I mean, I still say it when I meet people that are also from Laredo. Um, and there's plenty of people from Laredo and San Antonio who ended up in San Antonio. And so I just say like, hey, Laredo proud. You know, <laughs> I, we even get this, remember? <laughs> yeah, the thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So that, that I think will always stay with me. Well, continuing on this nostalgic trip, do you still have any items? I mean, I know you have a yearbook. You, you said you did. But do you have anything else, any other mementos from high school that you just can't part with? I can't part with. I think one of the most significant mementos I have is from my debate coach, Sam Sanchez. He gave me a keychain, and it was in the shape of a heart, and it had NHS for Nixon High School. And that year, I guess I was nominated or selected most likely to succeed. And he gave it to me and said, this is for the keys to success. And somehow That's sweet, it is somehow it always reassured me like, you know, like it's achievable, like, so whatever you dream, you can do it. So I, I value that keychain. It's a piece of plastic, but I value it. It's so well, nice. a sentiment that goes yeah. along with it. Yeah. It's so. very kind. Yeah, it was sweet. Who from high school are you most interested in hearing or in finding out about as we continue with this project? There's so many people. I'm going to give you a list. <laughs> One of our classmates, I understand, teaches at Nixon High School. Maria, her name was Maria Arezola. She went to Buenos Aires with me. She is now Maria Ramirez. She's a social studies teacher. So I'm interested in, in hearing from her. I'm also interested, I recently learned that Roger Rodriguez, I believe, became a writer and he used to run cross country with my brother. And so um, he's written several books. And I ended up majoring in both government and English. And I love literature. That's why I really do. And so I am interested in hearing from him. There's also friends like Beatriz Donovan, Olga Lozano, David Vasquez. I'm interested in Sonia Vasquez. Yeah, um, I'm interested in hearing from them and seeing how they're doing. Well, I hope this encourages them to reach out to us and participate in this podcast because whatever happened to <laughs> what are y'all doing? Exactly. <laughs> and let's move on. Okay, now to life after high school. 
What did you do after graduation? Did you get a job, go to college, get married, join the military? What did Alma do after I did graduating? all of them, the military. So I had a job. I kept that job. HEB managed to give me a scholarship. That's and, awesome. Yeah, I was blessed. And so I went to the community college first, and then I went to UT Austin. And then I was working at HEB through college. And then I, after college, I got a job um, working for Ralph Nader. And so then after that, I came back to San Antonio to go to law school. I've been here since. And yeah, and then I got married, had a child in between there. (laughs) If you could go back and talk to your 18-year-old self, just as you were graduating, do you have any advice for yourself or reassurance or just say, hey, what would you say? Well, I try not to look back. I really do. I enjoy the present and really thrive on dreaming about the future. That's just my mindset. I don't have regrets, to be honest with you. If I could go back, I would just try to be more self-assured to encourage myself to go for it and um, yeah, to be more deliberate and less uh, hesitant in my choices. I really don't have, uh, I, I, I'm grateful for life as it has turned out for me. And I see it as a blessing. That, that's interesting you say that because I mean, I've known you for I knew you back then and everything you did seemed deliberate. You seemed very focused and very goal oriented. Like that's Alma. Stay out of her way. She's, she's going places. So I guess I was, I mean, I guess I was focused and focused on my goals. I, I, Mm -hmm. I guess that, but you know, um, as a young woman, And maybe it wasn't as talked about often. And I have a daughter now, so I can recognize it. I do understand that for myself, I I had a lot of uh, lack of self-confidence. And I always carry the, oh, I'm just a dorky nerd kind of shell just because I just never felt, you know, like, I don't know how to say it, worthy. But if I could go back, I would just say, like, don't get in your head you know, just stay, stay focused. And I was pretty much focused. I didn't, but sometimes some of that hesitancy allows you to waste time in your head. And yeah, that's probably the only thing I would say I would go back and change is like, I think sometimes we, in our, when we get on our heads, we can let things that nobody really cares about. distract so much of our energies, you know, take away so much of our energies. But no, like I said, I really don't have much that I regret with respect to. I love my youth, my, and my growing up in Laredo. I think uh, after I left Laredo, definitely my life got a whole lot more adventurous and I love it too, but I just, I, yeah. So yeah, that's how I feel about that. Well, I know you just said that you don't really like to look back or just that you live in the present, but are there three moments 
in your life that just seem to stand out as good memories? Great memories. Great memories. Okay. I, there are three great memories. Well, I, there are a whole lot of great memories, but <laughs> <laughs> having my daughter is probably my favorite. Meeting my husband and him giving me a kidney is up there too. Yeah. And having our fabulous wedding. So my wedding, my daughter, kidney transplant, those are the three. Well, congratulations on all three. Do you stay in touch with anyone from high school? Not really, to be honest with you. <laughs> no. Well, life happens. It's, it's hard to stay in touch when you're busy. Yeah. So let's go back. And you went, you listed the places where you've lived. So you've, the question here that I have is, have you lived anywhere else other than Laredo? And where? <laughs> I've lived in Austin, San Diego, California, and San Antonio, Texas, besides Slido. And what was that journey like? Or what did you learn about yourself having moved each of those times? And in order to grow and professionally and as a human being, that we have to push ourselves out of our comfort zone. There were opportunities that greater opportunities outside of my hometown. They were greater opportunities outside of the state of Texas. I always wanted to come back. So I found a way to come back. Laredo didn't have a law school. So I came to San Antonio. I think it's key for human development to be able to push yourself out of your comfort zone. And yeah, I encourage people to do that. You said you have a daughter. Is she anything like you or is she more like your husband? She's much more like my husband. She's a good hybrid, but I think she's much more like my husband. My husband is very matter of fact, much more passionate. She is just also very matter of fact, very clinical about everything. I mean, she does sometimes have my bad attitude and his good looks, but, (laughs) (laughs) but heck, you know. She's a blessing too. Who's made the biggest impact in your life? Hmm. The biggest impact. Do we have this? (laughs) That's a good one. Uh, (laughs) My mom, my mom and my dad, my parents. My mom, she went and I'm going to briefly tell her story. She's deceased. She died in 1999 um, when I was in law school. She was helping me study for, for uh, during my um, law school exams. My mom's mom was from Guadula, Texas. And during the depression, she, she became an orphan and was expatriated to Mexico. And my Walita was 15 years old and ended up marrying my grandfather. He was from Monterrey, Mexico. And my mom was born, but she was born in a little town called Vialdama. My mom, my Wilita, always wanted to come back to the United States for better opportunities for her kids. My mom used to cross the U.S. border daily with a visa pinned to her blouse in order to get an education. She was a janitor at what is now Mary Hill, but it used to be St. John Bosco. She did that until she was in eighth grade. She was one of the oldest then they were migrant workers. So she went and she went with my grandparents and she was a translator 
So by the age of 23, my mom managed to, she, she hated living in rundown migrant shacks. She managed to help her parents and co-signed with my grandfather to buy them their first home. And then she was able, then she turned to my dad and said, okay, I'm ready to marry you. So she thought she was going to be like a housewife. She ended up working in the press. She was also always an industrious person. So my dad, who was a teacher at the time, he couldn't get involved in politics. And so he wanted my sister to have what you would call, um, I guess back then they didn't have kindergarten. So he encouraged my mom to get involved in the PTA and advocate. My mom advocated for that to get a kindergarten program and to get at what was then Central Elementary School and then to get running water for the school. And she successfully did that. And then when it was time for me to like get into school, she advocated similarly for the Head Start program. To make a long story short, my mom was instrumental in changing local city government from what was then called the Patron system into a city manager form of government. She was one of the original members of the 1980-81 city charter of Laredo. And she ended up advocating for public housing and public education, and not just here in Texas or in Laredo. She ended up publicly advocating and lobbying in DC. So by the time I entered kindergarten, I had my pocket constitution. You know, my mom would bring me those souvenirs from DC and stuff. And, you know, my mom was an immigrant and my mom ended up becoming chairman of the board for the Laredo Housing Authority for over 15 years, almost 20 years in Laredo, maybe over 20 years. And uh, she has a housing development and a transportation station for rural transportation um, named after her. And when she lobbied for those war on poverty programs from Lyndon B. Johnson back in the late 60s and early 70s. And she would say, hey, you're from Cotula. I used to teach in Cotula. That's where my mom's from. So, And when she wasn't hurt in English because she spoke Spanish and broken English, she would speak in Spanish. And so to me, even though she had an eighth grade education, she later got a GED and you name it. She was a force for advocacy, you know, in my life. So in fearlessness. And so that's why I say that my and my dad, because my dad, you know, he was a feminist before, you know, it was popular to be for men to be feminist. And so my dad for always supporting and encouraging her to, and he, we would call her the boss. She was the boss at home to be involved and make a difference in our community. And that's where I learned the value of public service really from my parents. I enjoy public service and that's really where it grew from, you know, my parents, working class folks from Laredo. What are your parents' names? My dad's name is Rolando and he passed away in 2017. And my mom's name is Ana Maria Lozano. Because I would drive by that housing project named after your mom, like on a daily basis for 14 years. I didn't know it was named after your mom. And that kind of just, I'm in awe and amazed now because I, I, I always assume that these places are named after people who give money or, <laughs> you know, some sort of Let me favor you, owed or something. Let me tell you what the battle was then. And it's the battle still today, the gentrification of public housing. They just wanted it in certain barrios in Laredo. And my mom was like, no, we're going to have a different 
housing program in our community. We're going to have it in every neighborhood. So not back then, like Del Mar was considered the rich neighborhood. So we're going to have, and we're going to have the cleanest and the best, because she went, she went to New York, she went to Colorado, she went Chicago, she went, she looked at different housing programs. And so they came back, she and her peers, some of the other people that were on the board, they came back with a resolution of how they wanted to model their their program so they would not only be successful, so, so they would be able to garner more money. For example, J.C. Martin School, who was named after J.C. Martin, that school was actually built. My mom advocated for that school um, after they closed Central High School or Central School. That school was actually built with federal funds. So Central what is now J.C. Martin, that was for federal funds. Same thing happened with the funds for the, those housing projects. Those came not from the state of Texas. No, those came from federal funds advocated through the folks, Mayor Aldo Angelo appointed certain people to the board and appointed my mom to be the head of that board, the uh, local housing authority board. And so that's why that development after she passed, because she, my mom was humble. She didn't care for any of that. After she passed, they decided to name that one because she had to fight local developers who did not want public housing in a area that was considered to be for the more privileged community. And so it was a battle about not having gentrification even then, you know? Sorry, Missy, I went way no. off. <laughs> Strike all no, that. No, that's fine. <laughs> No, this is good. I I really appreciate it. I, I mean, this is, I mean, we don't have to stay to the script. I think I learned something about the history of Laredo. And yeah. it's amazing. And this is the purpose of this podcast is to hear those stories. And, you know, I feel somewhat a bit that my education suffered because I did never learned about local people in high school, a little bit maybe in college, but you know, we just always assume that it was the mayor and the city council that got stuff done or the other politicians. Right. And so I, it was the same for me, Missy. Can you believe it? I was taking a government course at the Laredo Community College and the person teaching the class was Mr. Nava, I think. And he's telling us about this history. And I sort of knew it because I was the kid growing up around it. Like I really was the kid growing up all around it. But I didn't know the role my mom had until I'm looking at all these documents that have my mom's signature on it. Mom, you help write the charter? Oh, yeah, that we did this. How did you do? Oh, we just wrote to Austin. It's like, Mom, you did. So I learned about it third party uh, by through third parties, some of this history. So, yeah, after learning about it, I ended up learning more and more, not only through her, but through other people. And most of this history I've pieced together after her passing with my dad. Um, and with people that knew her. Amazing and quite a nugget for this episode. Thank you for sharing that. I'm glad that you were able to piece together your mom's stories and especially since she made such an impact in Laredo. Yeah, so my comadre knows it, my comadre Nelly Vilma, she was a council member and once she came here, she's like me a nerd and loves books. And so she fell in love with bibliotech and so she managed to take the program. And this is a connection, really. So when she came and she put together a great task force, she brought them all up to Bear County. She invited me for lunch. And guess who I see there? Rick Solis. And he's the architect for the bibliotheque. And this was the, before the project was 
taken to Laredo. They were pushing it to have it done there at the housing development named after my mom. And I meet him and he's like, yeah, I'm doing the architectural design for the library in your mom's honor. And I was like, oh my, what a blessing. Like, seriously. So it comes full circle, like that network of friends that you develop in high school, you know, even though we don't keep in touch somewhere along the way, whether you see them in a in a hospital setting, at the mall, at the HEB, somewhere along the way, you know, we live in a, such a small world that you will you you will come in contact with an old classmate. And that that was interesting. I came in contact with Rick Solis that way. Hadn't seen him in years. And then all of a sudden he's this great architect. Uh, yeah. In and he's doing something really special to me and our family and, you know, just a great guy. And he works really closely with my brother um, in Laredo now. And so it's just a small world. As I said, thanks for that lesson. I guess it makes all my other questions kind of like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 go ahead, come on. I'm, I'm like, you went, you went off with that one. You shouldn't have asked about <laughs> No, it's again these are the stories that we're looking for yeah and I, so, I'm just so glad we discovered that okay um so well you mentioned that your mom had passed away while you were studying any other difficulties that you've experienced since graduating high school well okay so I after so I had a great, wonderful time at, when I went to school at uh, UT Austin. Um, when I moved to San Antonio, the first year I moved here, that's when my mom got really sick and passed. So that was a challenge. And then right as I'm graduating from law school, I learned I have kidney disease and I need a kidney transplant. And well, before that, I did all kinds of therapies, but I really knew that and then one of the therapies had to be chemotherapy. And so that I knew that it would sterilize me. So I worked really closely with my nephrologist, give me the latest data. Look, it pays to be a nerd and to love to read because then you can ask and you can research for yourself and have validation of, okay, this is, these are what my numbers show and this is where I'm at and this is where I need to be at. So I really worked closely with my nephrologist to have a miracle baby. So my daughter is in like some sort of textbook, some because she happened to teach at the medical school here in San Antonio. And basically no doctor would see me, no OB would see me, but a neonatologist here in San Antonio would see me. So my daughter, I have pictures of her when she was a tadpole. So my daughter was being seen, if you will, not me technically, right? Since she was a tadpole. And, and so she, she, she did a lot of, I, I did, I had a lot of professional sacrifices. I stayed home and for 18 months, just to make sure that her, um, most of the time, cause she was born preemie, I was in the hospital for months. And most of the time when babies are born preemie, they, and they're in an incubator and they develop problems with her eyesight. So I did eye exercises with her and you name it the whole bit. And so you could not tell now she's got 2020 vision. She's like, she's been playing soccer since she was four years old. She's super athletic and super, she graduated with honors um, from high school. She's just, 
you could not tell she was a preemie, but that was, that was work. That was like the best job. <laughs> I say it's the best and hardest job having as being a mom health-wise. Those were the biggest life changing things that happened to me since graduating high school. But honestly, I really am grateful. You know, once you get a kidney transplant and I've had it for many years now, it, you feel like recycled and you feel like everything is gravy. <laughs> you really do. You feel like I'm super blessed. I couldn't ask for more. Let me just do the best I can with my family, with my friends, with my clients. And that's how I feel. I, I feel like I'm going to give it my all with everyone who touches my life. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take a moment here to do a PSA and advocate for organ donations because my dad was a recipient of an organ. I have a close friend whose son was a recipient too. And now you, so sign up to be an organ donor as That's soon as wonderful. you finish listening to this. Just put in your driver's license. When you register, you just let them know. Also, when you go to the hospitals, you know, you let them know, but I, a blessing indeed. What is one thing about you that no one would ever guess? No one would ever guess that I ran a couple of half marathons. Yeah, you wouldn't guess looking at me now, but I did. <laughs> That's amazing. How was that? You know, networking is really important. I have a friend, a lawyer friend here who, who does the legal work for the health department. She always encouraged me. She did the half marathons and the marathons with her siblings. And so we used to do Zumba. And she's also a super instructor. And that was my version of clubbing on Friday nights. And so little by little, I just decided to, first it was walking more and then, and then, okay, jogging and okay. And so I ended up volunteering. Initially, I volunteered to serve water and give snacks to people doing the rock and roll have marathon here in San Antonio. And then after watching like literally old people and pregnant people, and I was like, okay, there's no excuse for me not to get my butt out there and run. And so even though I wasn't running to like win the marathon, <laughs> I was just running to achieve the goal of finishing and without injury. And so I did half and I felt so, okay. So here's a confession in my mind after law school, I guess I've always had this like internal theme song. Whenever I went to trial, I prosecuted for many, many years. I was, I bet y'all love Rocky. Like that was a big thing <laughs> growing up. So I had the Rocky theme song in my head. Right. So when I did the half marathon, the first one here, and it was like a long time ago, it was in November. It was super hot. They put a towel over me and I just felt like Rocky. <laughs> I felt like, oh my God. I got to do this again. It was like addictive. I got to do this again. So then I signed up to do, and I could try to convince my sisters to do the half marathon in San Diego and the sister who's older than me. And she was on a transplant list. She, she, um, said she passed away that March. And so I decided to dedicate it for her. So I went to San Diego and I Aww. did the half marathon and, um, I, I dedicated it to her. That really doesn't surprise me because I remember you encouraging me to go to the rec center at UT and I would always lose my rec center card, but I remember 
going to <laughs> aerobics once in a while with you. It's like, oh, gotta go. Alma wants me to go, or I'm going to go meet, gotta go meet Alma. <laughs> you know what? That's where I met my husband, the UT rec center. Oh, wow. <laughs> A lot of people meet their husbands at UT Rec. <laughs> How yeah. funny. Yeah. Do you do any quote unquote old people things like go to bed earlier, complain about loud music or, or something else considered old people? Yes, I do. I do both. I go to bed early, complain about loud music, and I take a cocktail of medications and vitamins. Vitamin D is very important now. Apparently everybody prescribes it. So yeah, like I remember after my transplant, like getting this box that I had to fill. And so, yeah, that's me every Sunday night. I fill my prescription box. That's kind of weird, right? But that's super old lady stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It's just being organized. That's all. Yeah. Um, Well, I was, I always associated taking meds with an old lady. So yeah, but I, I am not old. I'm just mature. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Mature. That's right. What do you miss most about the nineties? Mm. Like fashions, hairstyles, oh, lipstick yeah. color. Oh, that's right. Fanny packs. I they're like, back. They're back. I love them. What else? I Okay, red, matte red lipstick. They didn't sell the matte red lipsticks like they do now. So I would use lip liner. Do you remember that? I used to wear lip liner. I would wear the whole lip liner because it was matte. I didn't want like glossy plaid <laughs> shirts, sporty. Like I used to wear my dad's hunting plaid shirts because they look sort of grungy. Um, baggy sports clothes. Oh, I love that. I really did love wearing baggy shirts and yeah, baggy clothes. Have you had a chance to visit the new Nixon campus? No, I've seen it. I've driven by it. It looks completely different. Completely. So have you? I've just driven by. I did take my son to a Solon Ensemble band thing once there. Yeah, it was at the annex or former annex or something. I got to hang out in the parking lot, but that's as far as I got. So I will tell you one experience from high school that has left a mark on me. And that's the bathrooms were like horrible. They were poorly lit yes. and they were bad. So two no the- doors. Yeah. It was kind of like going to, what do you call it? A rest stop, an old rest stop, not even a, it was. It was like so bad. I was just thinking about it the other day. I was like, man, because to this day, I need my bathrooms to be bright. Like I literally installed extra light fixtures in my bathrooms because I hate dark bathrooms just because in high school they were, I think they only had like, um, I don't even know they had bulbs in there. I think they only had like a sunroof or something. I'm not a even skylight. Sure. Yeah. A skylight. And I don't know. So yeah, that was one mark that I hope that they're, they, I'm sure they have fixed that problem. Hopefully. I remember I would, no matter where I was, I would use the restroom in the cafeteria because I knew that was well lit <laughs> and it had doors because or, or the doors closed. Cause I remember in, I think it was the art building. 
there were no doors or the doors didn't close and you were kind of just panicking as you're doing your business, hoping that nobody (laughs) Nobody would walk in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like bad. It was bad. Oh my God. I think I used to go to the ones in the business in the, (laughs) wherever the business building was, I think, but not, I don't even, I just remember the one, I don't even know the B building, the C building. I don't remember. I just remember they were so dark. And to this day, it sort of comes out. No, we are not having, like, my husband's like, I, why are you putting, like, I've literally done electrical wiring to my home <laughs> because I have this thing about dark bathrooms and dark I, Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it was like a scene at a candy man. It just scary. I think I would have preferred to be in the movie than, yeah, our bathrooms. Yeah. What What advice do you have for the class of 2022? First, I want to say this. It is very helpful to be not only Laredo proud, but to remember this. To the alma mater, dear old Nixon High, your sacred walls of knowledge we will glorify. As when our hearts aspire to reach a common goal, I'll hail our alma mater forever green and gold. And so my advice to the graduating class of 2022, wow, is one, please vaccinate. Please, if you uh, wear masks, social distance, exercise the protocols. And when you turn 18 or a month before you turn 18, register to vote, make your voice count. Make your voice count, it's important because you have all these grownups making exercising agency over your rights. And once you turn 18, you can exercise those rights for yourself. And so, and have your voice be known. So that's pretty much what I would advise folks and, you know, go for it, whatever you want to do, dream, don't let anybody limit you. Don't even limit yourself. You know, that's, you know, be good to yourself, be good to others, but the biggest advice is don't limit yourself in seeking your goals. That's absolutely useful advice. I hope <laughs> you take it to heart. I hope. Yeah. There's so much. Hey, you didn't let me give you my top 10 music. I'm coming to that. I'm coming to that. <laughs> First, it's who do you want to give a shout out to? I know you mentioned other names, but now who are you going to give a shout out to? I'm going to give a shout out to Sylvia Flores and um, Matt Garcia and um, Sonia Vasquez. And um, yeah, that's pretty much. And and, yeah. And who else? Oh, Roger, Roger Rodriguez. Yeah. Shout out to you, Roger. I need copies of your book, autographed the whole bit. <laughs> so now you gave your shout out. Now do your playlist, your mixtape. Okay. I actually went to my little memory book. I hadn't even remembered Color Me Bad, but oh yeah, Color Me Bad, Salt and Pepper, TLC. What do I have? Bohemian Rhapsody. I'd forgotten about that. I love that song. El Grupo Mas. La Mafia, you know, we used to have dance parties in our Spanish club. That's why I was in it because it was. <laughs> I would have joined Spanish because I never learned to dance Tejano and I regret it to this day. And if I had known, I would have joined. 
Oh, girl, please. So uh, let's see. All for love. Salt and pepper, push it. Um, let's see. Garth Brooks, Friends in Low Places. Um, the End of the Road, Voice to Men. Everything I do, I'll do it for you. Brian Adams. George Strait. Um, yeah. Uh, B-52, Love Shack. Oh, my favorite 1990s movie is Forrest Gump and Wayne's World. And yeah, that's it. Well, now we're on to the lightning round. Oh, okay. What was the last TV show you binged? Atypical on Netflix and Bridgerton and The Crown. (laughs) I love everything British. I do. I was just watching Law and Order UK. And I love it how, you know, the attorneys are up there, the barristers or the silks or the solicitors, whatever they are. Like, (laughs) as my learned friend, (laughs) I'm like, how polite are you? They're so polite. (laughs) Not like here. (laughs) No, we're ruthless. We're ruthless. So cool. Okay. What's the fad from the 90s that you still think is cool? Let me see. Baggy clothes. Okay. Okay. Do you have a signature dish that you cook or something that you bake? So my husband bakes and he does good with baking and I, so he makes the cornbread and I make the chili. So yeah. Nice. <laughs> do you put beans in your chili or not? I do. I do. Oh, okay. Okay. This is going to make me, my Laredo family, we like rarely eat meat. Um, so I mostly make vegetarian chili. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah. 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 I think we're at that age where most of us are starting to limit the yeah, amount of animal products that we eat. Yeah. So my sister from Laredo comes to town and she like literally needs me to take her to go buy meat because all I have is fish and chicken in my freezer. Yeah. Same here. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Flying or road trips? Road trips. Okay. Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? No. That's what tape or CD or record do you still have from high school that you have played the most or a mixtape that you made? Oh, okay. It was probably a mixtape, but I have, um, so this friend from my Spanish class gave me Selena live. So I have it in a cassette play, like a cassette. I mean, yeah, Selena. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Anything for Salinas. That's right. <laughs> I love Selena. Now I do, right? Back then it was like, no, Shelly Lotta. <laughs> but Moss and Mafia were pretty good then. But now, yeah, we're pretty good then too. I used to prefer Shelly Lotta's because she was a little bit more country. But I like Selena because she had a lot of like cumbias, tropicana. I just did. Is there anything else, any parting words you'd like to give us? I guess as you embark on your school, new school year to the new students, have fun, make the most of it. Shout out to your government teacher, or I think, or social studies teacher, Maria Ramirez, or Ms. Ramirez, and um, to my fellow classmates, stay strong, be kind to yourself, and be kind to others. 
That's nice. That's good. Thank you. Thank you so much for helping us kick this off and being the guinea pig, basically, and <laughs> doing this interview. And also for the history lesson. I mean, I I love my family, my culture. I love being, you know, Mexicana from Laredo. I do. But I also enjoy adventure in learning different languages and cultures and peoples and traditions. I think it lends itself to a greater understanding of humankind and growing up in like the border, you know, like in my office, I always have a bridge. I don't have a picture of the bridge of Laredo to Nuevo Laredo, but it's like a metaphor to me. Like I grew up where we literally would walk across back and forth and it was beautiful. And just that we could coexist and live with people and, you know, learn from each other because going to Nuevo Laredo, even though you're Mexicana or Mexican-American, you were like a pocha over there. You were like, (laughs) and so I like the reminder that I grew up near a bridge, my hometown. I always try to find common ground with people from different perspectives, viewpoints, backgrounds, you name it. I had friends in high school from all types of backgrounds. And um, I value that. Join us for our next episode where I will talk to Matias Garcia, also an attorney. I'm Missy Barrientos. Thank you for listening.